0: And welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend in Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our DAF today, Masachat E Ravine, DAF Chaf Dalad 24. So today's DAF is actually a little bit of a shorter DAF and really primarily deals with two topics. Uh, what do we do about this car kar- faith, right? This, you know, garden or outdoor area uh, that wasn't necessarily made, uh, you know, for uh, sort of uh, occupancy or for residency um, and then they're going to talk about what I really liked at the end of the and Anne's going to do this section uh, really what looks like a very practical um, sort of halachic scenario uh, of the from um, Nahara uh, where they try to fix that area to allow to permit people to carry there. Um, so I'm going to get started with our first section. Amar of Nachman Amar Shmuel. So Rav Nachman uh, said that Shmuel said Termi time shalohu kafladira, oset right. So the whole thing that we've been learning about with this, you know, sort of in you know garden area or sort of this outdoor area is, is that the reason why we will ultimately allow the permissibility to carry in it is that it was hukafledirat right. It was basically enclosed uh, for the purpose of residence. And so, what do you do if you have an area? That is, time right? it's bigger than the, you know, larger than the area that's uh, permitted. And not only that, it was also not, it wasn't really set apart uh, to be, uh, you know, an area of residence. What can a person do? Right. So a person to basically make a breach that's in that fence, because remember, these were always areas that were fenced off anyways that's more than 10 amot, the um, goudro umamido shall asser umutar, And then, so in other words, it basically takes away the original fence that was there and then fence it off and reduce the opening to only 10 amot, right? So therefore, what do you do? You basically make an entrance to this area. And then now it will be permitted, right, it's mutar to carry there because in your mind, you're going to say, oh, now I'm going to use it as a place of residence. And I guess, Part of what we're saying here is a way of showing that it's is by the fact that you need it to carry in it. So the Gemara wants to raise a question about this. So they want to say, what if the way that you wanted to do this was you basically, when you need to take care and create this entrance with the original fence, Right. Instead of doing the full tena mode at the beginning to make this entrance way, you do like an ama at a time. Right. So you take an ama off and fence it off, take an amah off and fence it off until you basically get to the tena mode. In other words, it's asking, can you do this work piece by piece or does this work have to be done all at one time? Amarle, Right. So they said to him, Lav hanu dit nan kol ale batim Right. So now we're going to get back to a, uh, something that was talked about a lot in Masachat Chabat with some of the Tuma and Tara that we discussed, right? That all, uh, you know, Tame Kalim, right, that just belong to Bali Batim, that belong to regular homeowners, right? When do we consider them to be sort of that they're broken or no longer the Kli that they originally were and therefore lose their status of Tuma that they had is when it has a hole that's the size of a remote. So Chizkiah now is going to ask another question. Wait, so in other words, sorry, what does that mean to our uh, original discussion is that I think essentially what they're trying to say is, look, eventually, if you get to it, that it's, you know, you have the 10-Amo break, you have the 10-Amo break, and then we no longer consider it as part of the original fence. So Chizkiah comes and says, Nikav kimotzei zaid ustamo, v'chazar v'nikav kimotzei zaid ustamo, a chli mulum would say Rimon Machu. Right. So Chizki asks a question, which again was discussed in Masachat Shabbat, which is let's say you have a cle, And first the clea, you get a hole in it the size of an olive and you close it up. Then you get another, another hole in it the size of an olive and you seal that up. And you keep doing it until what eventually all the sealed areas, okay, are become actually the size of a remone, of a pomegranate. In that case, do we say that enough change has happened that because collectively, right, it was the size of a rimon? Do we say that in that case it can lose its tame status? The 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 clee has been changed enough, damaged enough, transformed enough that it no longer holds its status of being tame. The Amar lei Rabbi Yochanan, so Rabbi Yochanan teaches Chizkia back, Rabbi Shanit Shanit Sandal Shanif Saka Achat Meozna, Oznab Tameh, Midrash. So now we get back to the famous sandal, which we also talked about in Masachat Shabbat, um, where he said the following, that let's say you have a sandal that became tame, right, because of a zav, and one of its straps breaks and a person repairs it, right, it still becomes, it's still, it's still tame, basically, um, and it still can render, and it's also tame midrash, it can render other things tame as well. Nifsakash <inaudible> ni'a but let's say the second strap breaks. And you fix that tahor. At this point, we say the the sandal becomes tahor. It's had too much repairing and fixing to say that it's really like the original sandal. So it's tahor ba midrash, but aval tame maga midrash. Right. So what does that mean? The sandal itself, though. Right. So in other words, it can't. Im- Sorry. Let me read that one more time. Tahor ba min midrash, aval tame maga midrash. So what we mean is, is that if it was um, tame because of tumat midrash. Now it becomes tahor, okay. But the sandal itself, right, is tame if it becomes if it comes in contact with something else because of tumat midrash. So, um, so therefore it can still transmit Tumat to other things. The amr ale right, and if you say this about this halacha, myshna rishona, tahak hameshnia, shnia nami. Ha'kamei rishona, right? So they're going to say, "Well, what's the difference? What difference does it make if the first strap breaks or the second strap? What's the difference here? It's because with the first one, the second strap was still intact, but with the second one breaks, the second strap, right? The the first one is also still intact, intact because you broke it. So we're trying to say, how does the how does the sandal lose its original status as its original plate? ale. So you will say to us panim chadashot baulakan, right? That basically what? This utensil is no longer what it was. It's now considered to be a panim chadashot. In other words, because you had to repair two straps of it, it's no longer the original sandal. And therefore, it's considered to be the new sandal. hachanami panim ba ba'ulakhan. Here too, right? When we're talking about we're talking about the original clee that we were talking about that kept getting holes after holes after holes, Once it has so many holes, it's also considered to be basically panim chadashot. It's considered to be um, a new cli. Now, first of all, I love this thing of calling it panim chadashot, because that's what we always call, you know, when we make sheva brachot for a married couple, um, and that we say that you need to have panim chadashot at the sheva brachot, that, you know, somebody new who was not at the wedding, who was not the original simcha. Um, But I love how that phrase is used here also, right? The idea that, like, it's just, it's something new. It's become totally new. So Chizkiah was so, uh, you know, Chizkiah was basically so astounded by what Rabbi Yochanan said, and so he says to him, what? This is not a human. Other people say, right? that this is basically, this is what a human being uh, should basically be. And what we basically learn in terms of our actual cases is that basically, if you keep just doing, breaking off one amad at a time of this fence. Right until he gets to the Ten Amot, it's okay because eventually we say you got to the Ten Amot and it basically becomes Panim Chadashot. It's basically a new fence and a new partition and you've changed enough of the Karpat that you could now use it um, on Shabbat by making this entrance. You don't need to use the work all at once. But I love this little thing at the end, you know, where he says, Chizkiah is so impressed with Rabbi Yochanan's ability to figure this case out, you know, that he sort of says, you know, oh, you, you know, you're such a human or and you, I mean, you said it to me, you know, you were like, it's like, oh, I could kiss you, you know, just it's interesting to see where the when the when Hazal sort of reflective uh, on how much they appreciate how something actually gets thought out. Uh, so I love that little detail here in the DAF. Um, and additionally, it's interesting to see, you know, as we keep going through the DAF itself to see what cases or sort of what halakhic scenarios keep getting referred to over and over again. So this case of how can a cle, you know, s- sort of lose its tummy status or how can, uh, you know, a the sandal, which we saw before in Masachat Shabbat, gets revisited again in a completely different scenario and it is applied to Masachat Erovine. And I think what this shows us is, is that essentially there are sort of, um, you know, really uh, sort of like general rules of how certain things work. And then part of what Hazal does on the pages of the Gemara is saying, okay, what other halakhic scenarios, where can we find parallels in other halakhic situations? And so we see that being done here.
1: So I also, I really appreciate the language here of Panim chadashot I feel like it's kind of like the insider language. If you if you know what that means, right, really, it has a technical meaning for something like Shavarachot, but then now you can use it anywhere. And it means you know a whole revamped new entity, and but you you have to be on the inside to really to to get the illusion. So I like that as well. You know I like that we're on the inside, um, and I also appreciate your point here about the shoe. Right, this seems to be a, uh, an important paradigmatic case that we're going to keep coming back to, and also this point about Chizkiyah and Rabbi Yochanan. So uh, part of what I so appreciated about it is that Rabbi Yochanan says to Chizkiyah you're the one who taught us the following, right? And he makes, he he provides his whole explanation based on Rabbi Chizke's own teaching, which Chizke himself kind of like, I don't know, it's so possible. I I understand how it's so possible to kind of, you know, miss your own, the implications that your own teaching might've had for the new case, right? Especially if you'd thought about it always in the context of something else that you might not have applied it. So then he applies it and he says, and so then Chizke is so, so appreciative of applying his own piece of Torah, which I find kind of, I don't know, self, self self-reflective in some ways. Well, there's
0: also something beautifully respectful about that, you know, that it's not when we see this push and pull of learning and this type of, I'm going to say like chavruta learning or the back and forth, it's not about outsmarting the person who's in front of you, right? Right, Like to say to a person, you actually know the answer to this. Let's think about something else that you taught me is, I, I think, really teaches us a beautiful paradigm. I know many of us, our kids have started school this week, you know, to think about, like, how to actually have people grow in their learning, where you basically say to them, you can figure it in a positive way. You have the tools to figure this out yourself. You actually know the answer to this, because it's so similar to something else that you taught me.
1: Beautiful. Okay, so I'm going to now jump to the second part of the DAF, which is largely found on Amad Bet, but it begins at the bottom of Amad Aleph, and it's this discussion, again, of the same kind of courtyard, and we discussed, we've got this measurement already from a few days ago of the two beitza, right, beitsa time, right, that that's the amount of the, let's say, the square area or the volume, I guess, of the place that's been enclosed for residence, but is it really a residence? And what can, what can go wrong with that plan? So there's a discussion here about what happens if that area becomes flooded with water. And if it's flooded with water, so then there's a, of course, there's a machloket, right? Does that mean that it is no longer residential, and therefore, you can no longer carry there because it's kind of been, it's ex- the extra water there has excluded it, so to speak, from that kind of property? Or do we say, and we see this on the, d- the very bottom of a madalif, where Rav Abba Avua the brave, I'm sorry, Rav Abba Avua the Rav bere the Rav Masharshia, says the water is like planted trees. So then it's as if you have trees there instead of water. And it says, and that's certainly, you know, allowed to carry uh, in that area. So a courtyard that would be filled with water, according to him, would still be considered residential. But what struck me, first of all, the idea that your whole area gets flooded, you know, is not, I'm sure that's not a pleasing experience for most people. And then I'm reminded of this fact, and we discussed this some days ago, that Bavel had a lot of water, that Babylonia had a lot of water. All these people are talking in Babylonia. And this thing of the rivers flooding their banks and into people's residential areas must have been a very common thing, right? Something that they had to actually address and pay attention to. What happens if your courtyard gets flooded? Can you then carry there or can you not? And the fact that there's a dispute about this in terms of practical halacha is also not surprising, of course. And the Gemara goes on to say, well, you know, is the water fit for drinking? And if it's not fit for drinking, then you can't say that it's like planted trees. But if it is fit for drinking, then that's residential, right? That's that's how it would apply. Um, so this brings us to this mention of this town of Pumnahara, that your Dana, that you mentioned at the beginning, right? So the Gemara says as follows Havaiba Pumnahara, Lamata gisahava gisahava so this is a you know a very specific uh, well it's a specific place and it's a specific um, description of that specific place right so there's a yard in Pum and that yard was larger than two two beitsa, and it was not um, otherwise enclosed for the purpose of residence right so then you know, what happens one of the sides of this courtyard opens into an alleyway in the town uh what right? is and then the other side opens to a walled path that's between vineyards right which also you know speaks to exactly what's going on here that this is really an agricultural setting and they have fields I mean vineyards fields and the vineyards the vineyard this path then leads to down to the bank of the river but that bank of the river we understand it to be at least 10 high and therefore it itself becomes that machita, becomes that division that allows you to say this is a separate a separate domain so now what are they supposed to do right they're in the yard of this of this uh in this town which part of it kind of opens out into the vineyard area which eventually gets you down to the river and um and the other part opens, you know, just to the town, right? So you, you're either leading into the vineyard or leading into town. Now, what are you supposed to do? So what should we do, right? How, because again, this is a very practical question. How can they allow, how can they permit carrying in this yard, which of course is technically, it's a Carmelite, but how do they make it so that they can turn it into, you know, provide an A room for it so that they'll be carrying for those who would live there, and then they, they obviously need to be functional.
0: Um, yeah, it's uh-uh. an interesting, what I liked about this case was just sort of seeing it obviously was something like real life and very practical to them.
1: Right? So here's, Abai says, So Abai says, you can't put a partition on top of another partition, right? That's not going to be a viable solution. It's not going to work but if you could perhaps make that partition because right this is the riverbank which goes down 10 so so that's a partition can you put another like a fence up above it It, it's not so clear and so he's trying to suss it out right could they make a surat right can they make with a korah and a lechi can they make a an uh of the vision of the door frame over that path that takes them to the to the vineyards, right? And then there's a concern that, in fact, when the camels again, we want real practicality. When the camels walk down that path to get to the water to be able to drink, which presumably didn't happen all that often because we know the camels drink infrequently and for a very long time, but infrequently. But they might then knock over that petition, petition, partition. So, so that's not. That's not gonna work, right? To put your to put your petach there, they said that's not gonna last. So rather, Ella Amarabai, Avid Lehi Apticha dishvil the mahani This is what they should do is they should establish uh, you know a lehi and a the korah, right? They should make the signpost at the opening of that path to the vineyard. And then since it will work for the vineyard it will allow someone to carry on that path, then it's no longer going to be a problem for the yard because it becomes like a partition between the path and the yard, and now the yard can be its own rushu if I understood this correctly. Of course, then Rava says, <laughs> Rava and Abaye are very often, right, um, argue, argue with each other. <speaking in> Rava, <Hebrew> You're going to say that the lahi that that side post, is going to allow people to carry on a vineyard path? Meaning most vineyard paths are not attached to a rushuri They're not attached to the residence. So then people are going to be confused and they're going to think that the vineyard path that really is open at both sides, at both ends, is you're allowed to carry there and you're going to be, you know, um, putting a stumbling block before the blind, right? You're going to make everybody think that they can carry, but they can't really. So Rava has a different solution. So Rava says, Randy, they should put that sidepost post on the other side, so where the opening of that yard goes into the town. And then it makes a partition, both from the town into the you know, private residence, and from the, res- from the residence for the yard. So then, so, and this is what the, the Gemara seems to accept here, right? because it concludes, he therefore. Then you can carry in the yard and you can also carry in that path to the town. Um, and then, of course, the path itself, um, of course, it becomes I'm sorry, carrying into the town from that yard or from the yard into the town. You know, can you cross that line? So Rav Acha and Ravina, which is you know, a subsequent generation, this is no longer Rav and Abayi, they also disagree, but again, on the more narrow point, and one says, yes, you can do it, you can carry, and the other says no. And that brings us to the, le- the end of our death. Yeah, so, you know,
0: I just, this obviously must have been something that they witnessed. And I wonder if some of the motivation was that people were carrying there anyways, so Abaye needed to sort of solve that, although it's not what it said, and we certainly have seen Doppin where, you know, they've commented like people were carrying in a place that they should not have carried. Um, but I just really, it's so interesting just to see all of these sort of real life scenarios uh, that they really had to figure out like how to solve practically for people.
1: Right. I, I I found this, of of all the Doppin that we've seen now, I found this one to be such a concrete, you know, f- example of something that really was a need and really had uh, its own peculiar physicality that needed solution.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll see if these types of uh, you know scenarios keep popping up. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabanneet Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about today's DAF and some of its more practical aspects on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.